from Flourish DX, this is the Psych Health and Safety Canada podcast. With workplace mental health becoming a priority for businesses who want to retain staff and prevent burnout, this is the source of information for creating sustainable and psychologically healthy workplaces in Canada. Welcome to Psych Health and Safety in Canada. I'm your host, Marianne Baton, and today I'm really pleased to welcome Julie Richer. She is the founder of Peak Energy Management. She's a workplace well-being consultant, a professional speaker. She dabbles in change management and self-development as well as many other things, and uh, I'm really happy to have you here today, Julie. Welcome. Thank you, Marianne. A pleasure to be here. Uh-huh. Julie, tell me how you first heard about or got into the concept of psych health and safety. Well, interesting enough, I was a public servant myself uh, way back when uh, for a good 22 years. And uh, when my job got abolished back in 2011, I decided to uh, venture out and create my own business. And within that, um, I It was a passion and a need, a desire that I really wanted to get back into either government um, or organizations that need help in workplace well-being. And so as I was developing my business and became an approved vendor for uh, the government, um, I was exposed to the 13 psychosocial factors uh, within um, ISED in the first place. And I thought that was brilliant. It's a great way to focus on monthly themes, um, to bring awareness, uh, increase well-being within the organization, and um, had the privilege, I would have to say maybe four or five years ago, I was invited to do uh, some workshops on the different themes, and um, and yeah, and, and just have been bringing my own passion, my own education um, to my workshops uh, to, again, help nourish workplace well-being in organizations. That's great. I I mean, we talk about it that in 2011, most people wouldn't have even known the phrase psychological health and safety, and now it's everywhere, and uh, hopefully more people are picking it up. So let's talk a bit about how the work that you do today um, is still connected to psych health and safety. What what sorts of things do you offer and how does that align? Yeah, I think uh, one of my first themes I really wanted to bring into workplaces was resilience. And just to define resilience, right, as to being able to bounce back from, you know, change, adversity, uh, stresses. And uh, we all know, right, on a daily basis, I find in the last, I don't know, 15 years, there's been a, a faster pace, greater demand, higher expectations, less resources, Um, And so I thought, why not talk about resilience, (laughs) first of all? And as I dived into resilience and talked about, you know, how can we become more resilient in these stressful times or in these changing times, I realized people needed even more than that. So yes, there could be an aspect of work-life balance, but more specifically, specifically as I explored tools and strategies to bring into workplaces, I came across personal energy management. 
And I find that is applicable to any human being, <laughs> whether you're working, whether you're, you know, a, a, a parent at home, um, whatever situation you're in, if you're a human, you have energy. <laughs> and we all know the greater amounts of energy we have, the more we can accomplish. The greater amounts of energy we have, we're more motivated. The greater amounts of energy we have, we can deal with the added stresses in our lives. And so it, it became say an obsession, <laughs> a passion for me to educate folks on, yes, we can, there are some tools and strategies we can put in place to be resilient, but really it boils down to how can you manage yourself? How can you manage your energy levels in order to cope with everything that is going on um, in the working world and in your, in your personal uh, world? I mean, I don't know if we're going to dive into what is personal energy management. I'll let you ask those questions because I can dive in and tell you so much more. That's great. And I mean, I was inspired by Tony Schwartz's work on um, saying, let's stop talking about time management. Let's start talking about energy management. And I do want you to go into that. But before you do, I, I would like you to respond to the criticism that we can have a toxic negative workplace and you employee need to get to be more resilient so you can deal with it. Yeah, it's interesting that we need to be a little more transparent, vulnerable, open, real, authentic about having those types of conversations. I think there is value in that critic, <laughs> that criticism, you know, like that employees do have a voice, um, but I mean, are we going in just to complain or are we going in to find a solution? And so I've noticed in the last 10 years and more, like even pre-COVID, where organizations are getting more toxic, um, the work habits are unhealthy, the expectations, not only from top down, but the expectations we put on ourselves <laughs> to manage everything is, 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 is no longer acceptable. It's no longer working. And actually, let's quote, you know, Tony, Tony Schwartz, where he says, you know, the way we're working is no longer working. And that's been for years now. So, you know, let's listen to those criticism. And if you have a voice, or if you have the power to truly listen, instead of being on the defense is really looking at you know, procedures, structures, processes, um, how people respond and communicate, you know, amongst each other, the expectations, the hours, the inflexibility. Let's talk about the issues, get real with it, and come up with some solutions and not top-down solutions. I mean, we need to collaborate. People need to engage and not just complain, but to come up also with some ideas. Um, and does that take time? Yes, there's restructuring a process that's been in place for 20 years, take time to, to, to rejig and, you know, be innovated. Yes, but if we don't do anything about it, if we don't talk about it, then never, it's not going to change. And we're just going to keep becoming unhealthy um, and the toxicity is going to continue. Um, and yeah, we just need to challenge the way we've been doing things for years and years. So uh, really well said, Julie. But given all that, I still believe in my heart of hearts that if I want to improve the quality of my own life, yep. then 
I want to improve my own resilience, not, not for my employer, for me. So let's talk more about how you do that. Yeah, I think number one thing that is needed is self-awareness and honesty with yourself. So uh, really look at yourself and look at identifying some habits you maybe have in place, some expectations you put on yourself um, that are actually harming you that are depleting your energy. So it really starts from there. Like it's, it's stepping back and looking at, okay, am I taking my breaks? Am I pushing myself? Am I like eating my lunch while I'm working and not disconnecting? Um, am I, do I have this excuse of I'm too busy? I don't have time to take care of myself. Like really, we, we need to step back and look at the insanity, <laughs> the pressures we put on ourselves and identifying what is not working and what is working. And if it's working or it could work, add more of that. If it's not working, looking at modifying it, improving it, eliminating it. Um, and so, you know, again, self-awareness, observation, no judgment. So what you've been working like this for the last 20 years, that's how you've learned to function. There is always opportunity to change. So I think, you know, individual resilience, well-being is critical. Take yeah. care of yourself so you can bring a better version of yourself to work. And, you know, and if that can just spread within the organization, fantastic win-win. Yeah. Is it a one and done? Meaning? Meaning, do we learn about resilience, we put things in place, and then we're finished for the rest of our lives, we'll be resilient? Oh, God, no. <laughs> well, that's wishful thinking. And yes, sometimes we do think that magic wand, bing, you know, everything is perfect. No, it requires constant effort. Any great thing requires effort. It requires you being mindful, observant, not noticing when you're in reaction mode and noticing that what you're doing is, is stressing you out and not staying stressed, but taking a step back and observing yourself. So it requires you to be attentive, kind with yourself, patient with changes, with the process, patient with also the differences that are happening within the workplace. If one thing works for you, it may not necessarily work for someone else and to respect that as best as possible. So no, it's not a one done. I've never heard that expression before, <laughs> maybe because I'm French, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely not one done. Uh, it requires innovation, like always evolving. I mean, this is, I think, you know, the greatest opportunity we have right now is like, we're challenged to look at things that are not working and we have this beautiful opportunity to actually improve and change things so that we can function better. Yeah. In 2004, Julie, I experienced burnout and I worked my way back to having what was for me as my peak energy, but it's constant, right? That I feel myself sliding and I pull myself back. So when you talk peak energy, you know, you think about somebody who they can go, go, go all day. They can balance their family and their volunteer work and their paid work and their family and friends. But how do you balance being at your peak energy and avoiding burnout? Yeah, great question. And oh my goodness, we had two hours. <laughs> I cover a lot of more things. Um, so 
I understand, first of all, the definition, right, of peak energy. You're thinking, I'm always high. I'm always, you know, at my best. And let's be real. Like, I mean, that is an unrealistic expectation. I think it's a really cool name for my business because, you know, I talk about personal energy management. I am talking about, you know, self-development, observing oneself to bring that better version of oneself. Um, I think especially in these times, we really need to simplify things. As you started pointing out, you know, I've got my parent, I've got these, uh, you know, things to do, I've got my insurance to pay, I've got like a gazillion emails that are coming in my inbox, like, how do I stay, you have enough energy to manage all of that. So first of all, what are your values? What's your priority? Identify that, and then eliminate Remove what no longer fits within your values, you know, like, and the less clutter, the less things that just don't matter to you anymore that you have in your life, then you do have more energy to actually bring to things that matter the most. Is it to be that, that higher performer? Is it to be that supporting boss? Is it um, being that go-to person? Is it being that attentive parent while managing, you know, full-time job? Whatever it is, sit back, identify your values. From there, eliminate the, what is no longer part of your value system. And then you have the great ability to have enough energy to focus on the things that are most important. I mean, yeah. that is my short answer. <laughs> But that's beautiful. When I burned out, I thought everything was important. I thought that if I said no to anything that I was letting people down. And uh, so if I had your support and had looked at my values, then I would have realized that a lot of these things weren't serving my values. They were just things that people asked me to do that I couldn't say no to. So that, yeah, that's, that's great. That's, that's big, Marianne. Good, good awareness there. So Julie, one of the other areas of expertise for you is change management. And with the pandemic, everybody will be returning to a new and different work experience. It's not going to be the same, probably never. What's your advice for those that are managing return to work? Hmm, managing. Are we talking, sorry, I just want to make sure, like management or anybody who's managing returning back? Uh, let's do both. Okay. Let's do both. <laughs> I'm going to start with um, management, let's say, someone who needs to create the space to welcome staff back. Uh, seek input. Seek input. Please seek input, be open-minded, um, challenge uh, your own way of thinking of this is not possible. <laughs> uh, be solution-oriented instead of a resistant. Um, and, uh, you know, read, take schedule in your weekday, you know, to read articles on, you know, how to create a healthy environment, how to welcome staff back. There are so many amazing organizations right now that are, you know, focusing on, you know, hybrid models on well-being in the workplace. So there is not a lack of resources. So together, like as a team, management team, work together, collaborate, engage, and listen, 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 listen. For staff going back to work, um, oh, look at your resistance. Where are you resisting? Where are you bucking? Where are you like, 
crossing your arms and not open and, you know, identify that realize number one, it's normal to react. It's, this is the part of change. Whenever something changed, we feel threatened. We feel like we're, we're losing the grip on normality, on comfort. And well, when it happens with change, that's, that's why we feel nervous. That's why we feel there is a threat because we're stepping in the unknown. So when we're stepping in the unknown, how about being more curious, open-minded? And when you find that resistance, look at that, that that is just a normal phase of a human being reacting to, to change and inform yourself. Don't go in denial, ask questions, talk, open-minded, open-minded, curious attitude, curious attitude. That's, that, that's what comes up for me. Uh, do you know, you're making me think about a time in my life where I had severe chronic pain. And the question was, could I continue to work? And what I did when I looked at it was I changed the way that I got to work, went on more of a, I, I wouldn't say luxury, but a much more comfortable train to commute than the commuter train that I was using, that I started to have all of my clothing laid out the night before, that I changed my seat, that I did all these things so that it was still possible to continue to work even in that state. And it aligns with what you're saying. Be curious, be open. Well, what could I do differently rather than just, I can't do this. Yes. So that's excellent. Um, Now, you're also a self-development coach. So we know that many people right now feel exhausted, fed up, and um, burned out. What's your advice to those folks? Where do they start to turn it around, especially when things are still uncertain? Yeah, um, I'm going to come back to, to a very similar answer uh, that to the, the, than earlier. Um, self-awareness. If you are burnt out, if you're tired and overwhelmed, identify what causes that. Because, you know, okay, so first of all, identify it. <laughs> and then secondly, um, also notice what are your coping mechanisms? Because sometimes we'll say, I am tired because like, I have to work all day long, plus manage the kids and then, you know, manage all these emails that are coming in. And, oh, I have this um, group that I'm a part of and, uh, oh, and social media is really important to me. And so we're bombarding again, our life with all these added things that are creating our stress and the coping could be, I'm going to have two glasses of wine tonight to cope with all this stress, I'm burnt down. So I deserve this wine. So there are two things, right? Look at what you're doing to cope and ask yourself, is this a thing that I'm doing to cope? Is it helping me or is it hindering my own self-development? Is it stopping me to, from identifying what, it, what stress, what things in my life are creating this stress? So it really is all about this self-awareness, not being afraid to be honest with oneself and, and looking at these coping mechanisms, looking at the real things that are stressing you. And within all that, instead of just a thing, is your mindset 
is your per- perception of, you know, what's happening in your life, adding even more stress, you know, the things that trigger you, do you vent about them for like hours or days on end? Um, you know, do you, uh, instead of finding a solution, are you always just criticizing about it? Or are you reliving the scenario in your mind? So, you know, there are just so many things we can do. Um, so increase your self-awareness, identify the things that are causing, causing you the stress, look at your coping mechanisms. Are you using coping mechanisms that are not helping your well-being? And, uh, you know, this a third piece of, you know, just really <laughs> uh, facing it all and uh, being, again, more open-minded and looking at solutions to being more healthy. That's great, Julie. I always say that one of the biggest barriers to mental well-being is wishing things were different. Oh, and that yes. it, if we can look at it and say it is what it is now, what do I want to do about it? Um, rather than just wishing that uh, it wasn't such and such, uh, it's easier. But it is, as you said earlier on, an ongoing um, exercise for us to do. Um, so in terms of uh, organizations, Julie, I imagine you work with organizations as well as individuals? Yes, I do. Yeah. So in terms of organizations that um, are looking to, like they, I know many employers that have great intentions. They really want to maximize the energy, the focus of all employees. Where would you suggest that they start? Oh, you know, it, it is, it, as much as I focus on individuals, there's also the pulse, right? The pulse of the organization, looking at, again, the processes, the, um, you know, I, I can just imagine when, you know, an organization has to sign an actual document before it goes to another stage. What happened when we're not all working virtually? Like, we have some archaic um, you know, procedures that are still in place that need innovation. So as we look our, at ourselves individually and increase our own self-awareness of what work, what's working and what's not working, we need to do this at an organizational level. So it, it is really looking at taking the pulse, what's working, what's not working with my staff, what's working and what's not working with these procedures, what's working and not working in these practices, you know, um, and, and just then from there, when you have that pulse is getting into solution and involving, you know, the staff to share their own ideas, uh, experiences and and being open-minded for different things. We are being challenged to um, innovate, to uh, evolve. And uh, I think, you know, uh, in a sense, this crisis is pushing us um, to evolve. They say um, some of the people who have looked at this have said that we are moved forward three decades in terms of our use of technology and the way we connect from what we would have done if we just continued along that path that uh, this pandemic has really made a difference. But I think your message also is the, well, this is the way we've always done it, is not the right answer when you're trying to have um, a very psychologically healthy and safe work environment that you have to be able to look at it. Um, every, team and every uh, team leader 
has to look at it differently. You've said several times you need to ask, you need to engage your people and find out where they are and get solutions. What in your work have been some great success stories that you've seen in teams or organizations? Um, where I've seen great success is just that, is really increasing the team cohesion. You know, feeling that everybody has a voice, every, every voice matters, um, and um, reevaluating the priorities of a workplace to create some space to have those meaningful discussions. And, you know, I think we, as an organization, we all have plans, we have strategies, we have goals. I mean, in some organizations, they don't have much of a choice. It's coming from, you know, a minister <laughs> that has a certain political mandate to meet. Um, but again, if you have the opportunity to speak up, to share the realness that is happening with an organization to speak about it or else we're not going to change. So the most successful stories is, is that, is that people are challenging how things are working and they're doing it collectively. Not just one person who's responsible to communicate that. Together, we are noticing that and really allowing people to voice their opinions for it to be captured in a professional and profound manner in order to make those you know, successful changes. So team cohesion, trusting one another, having real conversations, being open-minded. Um, I've seen also organizations uh, focusing, worked with some organizations fo focusing on civility, on respect in the workplace, on uh, respecting that diversity, talking about unconscious biases, like just opening people's minds to different way of thinking of different ways of perceiving things and you know stepping away from the me 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 and us 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 like what 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 can we do together to you know change make you know some real constant some constant change um, and successful change so team people focusing on team cohesion one, um, and also bringing those different aspects of just open communication, engagement, and working together to make that change. Uh, excellent. So let me hit you with another uh, situation, which is um, where you have a team that really wants to go in that direction. They really want to maximize um, their effectiveness, their cohesion, but there's one or two members who don't have any interest. How do you help uh, a team manage that? See that little red triangle here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is actually, let me just raise my camera. It's quite far, but that is the, um, the model from Patrick Lincioni, the five behaviors of a cohesive team. And so um, using a model within a team, first of all, to educate you know, the team, what are the five behaviors of a cohesive team? Well, the foundation is trust. <laughs> and if you can't trust one another to speak openly with one another, being vulnerable, calling out the bullying, calling out um, that, you know, hey, right now we're together, we need to work together. Um, and I mean, I, I mean, there's so much more within this model. But I think, you know, the... Um, opportunity to talk to these people, these one or two members, um, 
this it's so the time to do that right now. <laughs> I mean, we want to change how we're working. Well, yeah, instead of, you know, working like we used to work for maybe the last 20, 30 years is that I don't want conflict. So I'm not going to say anything. No, actually have the conversation, have the uncomfortable, courageous conversation to address these things with these people. If you want to be a you want to work with us you need to be cohesive you need to engage you need to participate you need to respect and i mean there are you know oh my goodness there are so many um let me see like strategies or, or processes in place to deal with harassment and 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 bullying and non-participation like let's use our resources Managers need to feel comfortable to have these discussions. And if they're not comfortable, they need to push themselves, themselves through the uncomfortableness and to have these real authentic conversations, not being afraid. So then equip yourself. If you don't know how to have these conversations, equip yourself. Go with some training on how to have difficult conversations. Um, I mean, I've got a bookshelf here full of, you know, different books. And, you know, there's books on grit. There's uh, books on crucial conversations. Uh, the Patrick Lincioni models are amazing. And, and, you know, within having these discussions with the one or two people, we also need to find out why. Why are they not wanting to participate? They may have resentment for something that has never been resolved. Um, they might have been you know, told that they would get a promotion. They never got it. No one spoke on this. So they probably have a reason too. So open, vulnerable, real, authentic conversations. Um, and if they're not willing to comply, then I am sure there's a process to kind of go, okay, well, I'm sorry. Good luck in somewhere else. Uh, maybe this job is better suited for you. I'm not going to get into all that. But again, like nonsense of not talking. Let's get clear as to what the issues are and, you know, focus on solutions. Right. Instead of just uh, for a leader, burying your head in the sand and hoping it'll all work out. Uh, it never does. No. It never does. And you know what? What a perfect opportunity for a leader. If the leader does not want to approach or resist dealing with the situation, that is the greatest indicator for growth. Greatest opportunity to learn and to really step up as a leader. So, you know, within all the answers I've given you as well as like, we need to also look at, all these different challenges and things that we're resisting and shifting our mindset and looking at it. What opportunity do I have here? Yeah. That, you know, shifts things completely. Well, I was definitely um, conflict and uh, confrontation averse for many years until I was taught how to do it in a compassionate, supportive way. And that made all the difference because then I didn't feel like I was being mean I felt like I was being transparent and honest and we were looking for solutions. But you mentioned something else, Julie, um, about this window of opportunity. And I feel the same way that all leaders have a window of opportunity now to talk about change and reset and to really go into the future um, co-creating the type of team that they really want. And can you speak a, a little bit to um, how they might start that journey? What might they say to their team before the team um, is reconstituted? 
Yeah, I think first of all, um, people need to feel safe <laughs> to uh, share their thoughts and ideas. And so um, it is the leaders, uh, if they are wanting to go in to really engage and have true open conversation, first of all, they need to realize that there's gonna be pushback, there's gonna be resistance, there'll be ego, there'll be... <laughs> so to not walk in with a fairy tale sort of story that, hey, we're gonna redevelop, rejig how we work together and it's gonna be great. <laughs> so I think, you know, I think in every opportunity and everything ahead of us, there are benefits and drawbacks. There's, you know, good things that are going to come out of it and some nasty things that we're not going to want to deal with. But, you know, again, when these challenges and nasty things come forth, if we can say, oh, there's a nugget here to work with, there's, I can evolve from this, I can grow, I can learn from it, then okay. So first of all, leader, know that as you're walking in with this great vision, there'll be ups and downs, and there'll be resistances and stuff. But then to pave I would say pave the, the path ahead of this discussion with your team is saying, listen, no idea is a bad idea. Um, you're not going to be shut down, ridiculed, um, you know, uh, demoted because you're sharing your thoughts and opinions here. Um, and, you know, setting up a safe space to have these discussions, I would say, is the most profound um, element that needs to be in place. Um, and the leader is going to have to be real authentic and vulnerable too. And, and, and oh my God, Brené Brown is just an amazing, <laughs> um, you know, person to look up to when you're wanting to have these types of conversations. So, you know, surround yourself uh, with some good resources, with the people that are like-minded um, so that you feel courageous as you have these, you know, important conversations. Yeah, it's, you know, people are talking about the great resignation, but I see it more as the great reset that mm -hmm. as individuals, we're reconsidering our own lives. And in the workplace, we have this opportunity to bring people together. And one of the things I say to leaders is you have to take responsibility. You don't have to take blame, but you can take responsibility by saying, this isn't the kind of work environment I want. Um, and I really want to make it different, but I need your help rather than saying, yeah, I really sucked as a leader. And now we've got to fix it. Or, or what they often do is say, this team is dysfunctional. In other words, you are not me. And, uh, and then start to get into it. So it can be done um, even in those teams that really are fear-based or dysfunctional. If the leader wants to take responsibility um, for it to move forward. So Julie, how do people take care of themselves through all of this? What sorts of approaches have you used? Well, actually, I love that question <laughs> because, uh, well, first of all, there's a lot of things, right? I mean, self-care, you need to define, first of all, what is self-care to you? You know, where could you include it in your day? Um, I've noticed, and I've done a bit of research myself as to when is this best, when is the best time, right, to really uh, include that self-care and it having an impact on your entire day. It's first thing in the morning. 
And uh, there's one thing that I've actually created since April 2021. I call it the Women's Morning Renewal Program. So in the title, sorry, folks, it is just for women. <laughs> sorry, guys, that's what I should say. Um, it is a virtual program that I run in the morning. And um, so to answer your questions, what I do in that routine is going to answer your question. How do we self-care? First thing in the morning is taking care of your body and setting your mindset to be in a healthy um, productive, um, and I'm going to add the word self-love <laughs> in there, include that in your morning. So um, meditation, journaling, stretching your body gently, setting some good intent and positive intents with your day. And so um, this program that's been running since April uh, is a four-week program. And I run it with uh, women only, they join on Zoom. And I've got like two sessions. I have a session between 6 and 7 a.m. or 7.30 and 8.30 a.m. So this can be done before work. You know, you get out of bed, you know, you do your business, you jump in the shower and you show up and you really just take time to connect with yourself. And I think in these times, stressful times, we don't take the time to do that. We don't, you know, as a, maybe as a parent at home, you're, you know, homeschooling, you're juggling, you know, this busy work. Well, you reserve this one hour for yourself, close the door, um, listen to some really calm, positive music, be surrounded with this community of women and take the time to ground yourself and, you know, maybe one day, Marianne, we can just talk about what grounding is, uh, but grounding is actually really allowing yourself to be fully present with yourself. And so we hold grounding positions. Meditation is, is, is a savior. And although some people will say, I've tried meditation, it's frustrating. Um, I say, try it again, because med meditation in a sense is going to be frustrating because what you're doing is you're sitting and as you close your eyes, you'll notice that you have that thought, that thought, and I have to do this and I have to do that. And meditation is just noticing all of this going on and then bringing yourself back. So if you're meditating for five minutes, you might be going thought, I'm coming back to me, thought, I'm coming back to me, thought, I'm coming back to me. <laughs> so if any of you think you're abnormal or it's just too hard to do, realize that first of all, your thoughts are not you. You are separate than your thoughts. So being able to put that space between this ongoing thinking and yourself, you know, provides that space during the day that when you're overwhelmed, you can actually step back, sit, breathe with yourself for just a minute and reset. So these different little tools. Journaling is just a great way to be able to mind dump. I think we've, you know, heard that expression before is dump everything out of your mind onto paper. So it doesn't, you know, keep you stressed. It doesn't preoccupy or occupy your mind too much with the things that we already have to think about. We don't need this ongoing dialogue, <laughs> you know, disrupting what we really need to focus on. Um, and what else? Uh, I think, you know, just sharing openly in a community and in a non-judgmental community is, is priceless. Um, I've had women join uh, for now eight months in a row uh, in this morning routine, and they are witnessing themselves being more calm, more patient, 
more confident, more accepting, um, having greater amounts of energy, sleeping better, no longer having hip pain, back pain, all these different things. So I mean, I could go on and on with the benefits, but self-care is crucial. And, you know, whether you join the routine, you know, or not, um, the thing is, take the time. First thing in the morning, think about you, do your stretches, meditate, journal, breathe, if you know how to ground, ground. If not, come on over <laughs> to the Women's Morning Renewal Program, um, and I'll, I'll take you through it. It's life changing. Yeah. So, in this particular point in time, um, right now, Julie, for those who really would like to um, make change, that really would like to have peak energy, that really would like to move forward. Um, if they wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Yeah, a few ways. Um, I think one of the easiest way is uh, email. <laughs> um, and my email address is Julie. You just remember my name, Julie at <laughs> peakenergymanagement.com or hello at peakenergymanagement.com. Uh, these, those emails go straight into my inbox. Um, my website, you can go on my website, peakenergymanagement.com. Uh, there's, um, you know, some resources on there, a little bit of a feel of what I offer. Um, what else? I mean, it's so simple. Just send me an yeah, email. Just um, to find you. Yeah, just send me an email. It'll be my absolute pleasure to just discuss. Uh, no pressure, no expectations. If you've got questions, if you want to um, increase the well-being in your workplace individually, personally, professionally, it'd be uh, more than my honor to uh, be able to at least have that discussion, initial discussion um, to guide you to that. Great. And I have another question for you, Julian. I've been asking this of many of the guests on this podcast with the intention that I'd love to do a montage of answers at some time. So the question is, how would you describe psychological health and safety to somebody who has no idea what it is? I mean, our um, Martin Shane, Dr. Martin Shane actually crafted the formal definition of it. But if you're talking to someone saying, what are you talking about? What is that stuff? What would you say? Mm -hmm. I would say something around these lines. As a human being, well, we've got a lot of thoughts that go in our head, that go through our head. Some of them are healthy. <laughs> some of them are not. Um, and, you know, sometimes we just need to step back and just observe what's going on in our head. And sometimes we need to take a break from our head and really be a little more mindful, you know, enjoy our food, enjoy our walks, enjoy our conversations. Think about uh, the things that we enjoy the most in our lives and bring more of that in our lives. And I talk about that every human being has emotions and that uh, suppressing our emotions, ignoring our emotions is really not a healthy thing to do and that it's okay to have them and to express them to feel them um, and to, um, to feel normal, to talk with people, to connect with people. And that, you know, the workplace is not about just performance. It's not about just productivity. It's about, you know, uh, collaborating. It's about uh, making a difference. It's about feeling you're making a difference, that you have a purpose. 
So as a human being, we have to look at all aspects of who we are, physical, mental, emotional, even spiritual, which I call our core, you know, our values and so on. So um, that it's important to look at all those aspects, even in a workplace. Human beings are human beings and we all have those aspects and we need to consider them all, respect them all. And um, yeah, and notice that there are many differences between people and doing our best to just accept that. Instead of comparing ourselves to others, how about just comparing ourselves to ourselves and seeing how we've uh, improved, how we've, um, you know, maybe not improved and how we can be maybe gentler uh, and kinder with ourselves and, um, and give ourselves the chance to, to evolve and change and grow. And, oh my God, I could go on and on, Marianne. <laughs> I, hope <that> was, <laughs> I hope this is going to fit something in there is going to fit with the montage. <laughs> yeah, that, no, for sure it will. That's fascinating. And then um, just to give you the the last opportunity, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Any other um, words of advice or wisdom? Yeah, um, I, I really think we have an opportunity, as you said already, to reevaluate our lives, how we think, how we act, what we think is important versus, you know, what is truly important. So please take this opportunity to reevaluate, redesign how you work, how you look at things, how you speak about things, and um, simplify, 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 (laughs) simplify. We are in a world right now where too many things seem to be important, uh, that I stay on top of my emails all the time that I respond within five minutes of of an email coming in, like, look at how there's a lot of things that are insane right now and have the courage to um, evaluate it with an open mind. Um, And I think my last piece is self care. Please take care of yourself. If you haven't been taking your vacation just because you're working from home, please take a vacation. If you're not feeling great, if you're sick, um, don't go into work just because you're working from home. Take your sick day. And um, yeah, I could keep on going, but I think I'll stop there, Marianne. No, that's wonderful, Julie. I really appreciate all of the the golden nuggets that you shared with us today that uh, people can really pick up and run with. And uh, we'll have clips from this podcast on LinkedIn that anybody can find either with the Flourish DX website or with my own LinkedIn. Um, And uh, we will uh, have the full Uh, podcast on the Psych Health and Safety in Canada website. So thank you, Julie Richer, for all that you're doing and uh, for your time today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for reaching out. You've been listening to the Psych Health and Safety Canada podcast. To stay up to date with the best content on workplace mental health in North America, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and join the Flourish DX community at www.flourishdx.com. Thank you.